Alright guys, welcome back to uh, Zupi, the Autotelic Mindset. Um, here with uh, Mr. Adrian Sarchetti, uh, professional lacrosse player. Um, like always with these athletes and their busy schedules, um, you know it's time. It's sometimes hard to get them in town, but lucky enough, he's had a little bit of t has a little bit of time uh, here to join us. So I just want to thank you, Adrian, for uh, joining us here. Thanks for having me. It's uh, it's exciting to be on the show, and um, I'm looking forward to. Uh, learning more about you know the mindset and, and things I can do to help me as as a player and as a person so just you know give us uh give us your introduction who you are um you know what got you into the the sport here and um yeah take it away thanks um yeah so my name is Adrian Sorchetti. uh I grew up in Whitby Ontario uh, I've been playing hockey and lacrosse uh for a very long time I started lacrosse when I was three years old and I think I started skating maybe around that time too, but I, I didn't start uh, playing until I was six. Um, so I'm 28 now. Um, I currently play for the San Diego Seals in the National Lacrosse League. Uh, I've been playing pro lacrosse um, for about six years now. Um, I grew up in Whippy, like I said, playing uh, for the Whippy for Whippy Warriors. Uh, I, I grew up. Um, you know, playing rep lacrosse all the way through and hockey, and, and I kind of hit a fork in the road, maybe around 15 or 16 years old, where I had to make that decision to focus on one sport, and uh, I was super passionate about lacrosse, so uh, I headed in that direction, so um, after minor lacrosse, I played junior in, in Whippy, uh, I won a Minto Cup in, in 2011, I uh, competed at uh, Hofstra University playing Division One lacrosse, um, and then after NCAA, I was drafted 13th overall to the Edmonton Rush. Um, I played uh, five years with the Rush organization, and uh, most recently, the uh, NLL has expanded to uh, to a few more teams. So I was picked up in the expansion draft to San Diego. Um, so pretty much that's where I'm at right now, and. Uh, hockey and lacrosse were a big part of my life and, and here in Whippy and um, you know I've, I've traveled to a lot of places just playing sports and, and using that as a vehicle to get an education yeah it's it's you have quite the <clears throat> the resume there and I think um, growing up in Whippy myself I think we're so fortunate to have uh, the facilities we, we have uh, like Iroquois Park and um, <clears throat> being able to you know progress through this progress through the system um, but I just want to backtrack you here because I know um, growing up, you know, when you get involved with sports, you start to, you know, meet new families and gain new friends. But I know you come from a family of, is it four? Uh, three. I have two siblings, but uh, my extended, like my family family, um, it's pretty large. Yeah. So you had uh, your brother, your brother, Eric. Yep. Uh, he's old, older brother. Older and my sister Moni. They both competed uh, in rep sports all the way through and. I have a bunch of uncles and cousins and, and you know, uh, my my dad and his brothers, they all played sports here in, in Whitby. So sports kind of was something that kind of ran ran through your blood at an early age? Yeah. It uh, seems like. Yeah, it was, uh, a bi I think it's a big part of um, a lot of people's lives and whether it is sports or music or art or whatever it is, I think just having a passion and having goals for something and uh, having an agenda and you know meeting you know certain uh, certain goals along the way and setting new goals for yourself and having those accomplishments I think that's that's a big part of life 
And it's funny, <clears throat> it's funny you talk about goals and, um, you know, setting them and trying to attain them because uh, right now I find there's so much, so much pressure to, you know, go to university, um, you know, get a job. And it's so, especially as millennials, it's so tough. But I think through sports, um, you know, we all want to play professional uh, one day. But at the end of the day, it's about, you know, it's as a kid growing up and just learning teamwork, respect, uh, how to collaborate with others. And I think that is sometimes more powerful than, um, you know, the education you get in the school, um, which I think um, I myself as an athlete has really helped me progress uh, in my future, just coming from a sports background, let alone uh, all the knowledge uh, through school. I agree completely. I think there's a lot of life lessons you can learn through sports, whether it's an individual sport or, or team sport, but um, you know, essentially you're, uh, you're a part of something and you learn how to win, you learn how to lose, you learn how to, um, you know, set goals for yourself and, and to work towards those goals. Uh, and you know, that's a lot of, uh, a lot of life lessons, um, are taught and learned in sports for sure. So I just want to, I want to make sure I get this time, the timeline, right? So correct me if I'm wrong, if I'm jumping too far ahead sure. with some of this stuff, but so you grew up within the the Whippy Minor um, programs with lacrosse, and you said you're a big hockey player as well. Um, at what age did you realize, okay, whether it was hockey, lacrosse, that you realized, okay, I, I could potentially do this full time? I think from a young age, I was I was just hooked on lacrosse, like right off the hop. I, I think I was very attached to it, and uh, not to take anything away from hockey, I did enjoy my hockey career and. Uh, the players that uh, you know I played with along the way, and much of the most of those players did transition over from winter to summer, and I played with a lot of them and, and against them. But uh, I think it really hit me um, around fourteen, maybe even thirteen, because I remember receiving my first Inside Lacrosse magazine, and I was browsing through it, and I saw you know, all these teams that were universities and, and I was very intrigued by it and I started doing more research and uh, I then later learned that, you know, a lot of these athletes were uh, were student athletes and that was a very pivotal moment in my uh, academic and athletic career because I wanted that and um, I was, you know, working towards accomplishing that at a young age. So, I then uh, um, was recruited and, and did a lot of research and uh, reached out to a lot of private schools in New York uh, in the tri-state area because most of those schools specialize in um, student athletes and unfortunately at the time you know I wasn't receiving the, the best grades just because uh, the work-life balance was was very uh, demanding and I didn't really have the tools um, to succeed at, at that time in my life so I had to make some big life choices and I moved away when I was 14 or 15, 15 years old um, to New York and I competed there in, in, uh, in hockey, lacrosse and I played a little bit of football but more importantly I was in, a, in an environment that was uh, focused heavily on student athletes and like I said going back I was more focused as, as all you know teenagers are or preteens on sports and friends so I didn't have that 
academic uh, focus as I needed. So I needed to put myself in an environment to really push me towards the importance of academics. And, uh, and the only way I was to receive a scholarship to a Division One school was to make sure that I was a, a complete um, student athlete. Awesome. I love, um, you know, on the autotelic mindset, we always bring up uh, my balance board. So we'll slowly get into get into some of that with some of the stuff you're talking about here with, um, you know, balancing sports, uh, friendships, relationships, career, education, and finding that balance. Um, but I find the trend right now with these athletes is, you know, growing up, they play their multi-sport athletes, whether it's hockey, lacrosse, soccer, whatever it may be. And I mean, <clears throat> kudos to those who can, you know, do two sports at a time, but it seems like eventually, like, you have to pick one over the other. Um, how it seems like you're really, you kind of had, you were really going to lacrosse uh, route, but, you know, at the end of the day, you still have to make that decision. What were kind of the deciding factors for you to say, okay, lacrosse is my sport, I'm going to focus on that one? Um, yeah, and I did compete at a at a pretty high level in hockey and and I think it was a uh, passion that really um steered me in in the lacrosse direction um and uh, I think the opportunities that were ahead of me were much greater in lacrosse than hockey um and I think you know when you get to a competitive level or a super competitive level uh, your time is is limited, you know, whether it's the training that you have to do or the film that you have to watch or the practicing that you have to to be involved in. Uh, there's a limited amount of time that's really, um, you know, sorted out that you need to put yourself into. And, and I think um, the amount of work that is necessary to be a high level athlete it is a lot of focused time. So you, you really have to focus in on uh, things that are controllable. And I was reaching a point in, you know, my 15, 16 year age mark, uh, where if I was to put all um, my effort into three things or four things, it was just too much for me to handle. So I really had to pick something that I could control. And I think focusing on lacrosse and school and having a life on the side, um, those were three items that I feel like I was most passionate about and, and I could control uh, a lot of the items that were um, you know, included in them. Because you know, it's easy to say, uh, I wanna play hockey, lacrosse, basketball, you know, I wanna you know, play with my friends and I wanna you know, go you know, adventure around and, and do other things that, you know, you want to do. But unfortunately, there's a thing called time and a thing called, uh, you know, um, you know, improving, improving, getting right? better exactly. in, that, in that area. Yeah. Yeah. So like, <clears throat> I've never had to really break that down to somebody, but it's interesting talking to you now, you know, flashing back how many years and to think that where was my mind at that point and, and what were, uh, the tis, what were the decisions that I had to make and, and what were, you know, what was the outcome? And, and the outcome is the present moment now and, and I'm continuing to build that on my career. But um, going back to what I'm really trying to say is I didn't have enough time and uh, energy to really uh, break up into 
all those areas. So I, I really had to choose those three items. And, and I, uh, again, was super passionate about lacrosse. Uh, I really obviously needed to focus on school. And an important piece to me is family and friends. So those were three items that I knew I could have uh, most control, most passion, and, and uh, hopefully most, you know, the most success out of those three items. So it's, yeah, it's interesting to hear you talk about and to recognize as such, I'd say an early age, you know, you have to dial into these certain areas because if you don't have guidance, you can easily get lost in the shuffle. And like you said, you just uh, made the decision to go out to the States to uh, improve your lacrosse as well as your education where, um, you know, sometimes kids just don't have the mentor or um, aren't given the right advice to do that. So it's cool to see you um, kind of figure that out at such, I would say such a, such an early age. But I remember having a conversation with you. Um, uh, we were sitting down once and we were talking about, you know, you have these different categories, like you're talking about your social life, your sports, your relationships, and, you know, it can become overwhelming. And I remember you saying you had to, um, you had to group the two and I think it was with your social life and your sports. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, you obviously going to school, you have, you know, your school, let's say you call them your school friends and you're going out with them and then you have your sports friends. And I think at one point you said, it's just, this is just too much. I have to somehow group them together in order to maintain that balance. Right. Uh, so I can focus on my sports as well as education and relationships. those, Those three items that I said that I needed to focus on, obviously sports were important. Family and friends were important and uh, school so to your point and to what we discussed uh, the social life and the sports um, three items you know are a lot at times but uh, I had the um, uh, the ability I mean everybody has the ability but I combined the two so I combined the social aspect of my sports together so ultimately it was two items that I was um, putting a lot of my attention into Good, good. Um, so yeah, before we kind of move forward, I want to um, just briefly, I want you kind of explain for the uh, the younger athletes out there that, you know, who want to have a career uh, or make a career out of lacrosse, the process of transitioning from minor to looking to get scholarships and what that process kind of looks like. Um, just to give, you know, a listener, a viewer who's maybe listening uh, and wants to know more information. And like I said, just having someone to um, guide them or give them some advice. So sure. the transition from, yeah, minor, looking for a scholarship, uh, getting your foot in the door. Definitely. Um, well, there are a lot of factors. And I think uh, the first one I can touch on is, is how competitive sports are becoming um, at the minor level and transitioning into that uh, NCAA or professional level. Um, and I think lacrosse, um, is at a unique point in time right now where it does not have a ton of traction or it does not have a ton of attention, but it does have a ton of traction where it is the fastest growing sport in North America. And a lot of, um, you know, players, especially in the United States are transitioning into lacrosse because it has the physicality of, of, uh, football and, it, and it has the, the technicalities and the, the strategy behind basketball, um, and it's just a quick sport, so people are starting to catch on to it a little bit down in the States. Um, but having said that, um, a lot of NCAA programs are constantly trying to recruit um, high-level players. And, you know, 
five, ten years ago, um, a lot of you know players that were being recruited to these these high end schools um, were you know it it was pretty competitive, but a lot of these um, you know top ten, top twenty uh, Division one teams were getting the the kids that were you know already drawn to their programs because of the name. Um, like Syracuse or North Carolina or Duke, like all the kids that were playing minor really wanted to go to those higher end schools. And fast forward five, 10 years, not, you know, all those kids are, can make those rosters. So what I'm trying to say is uh, Duke only has 40 roster spots on their team and they cannot recruit uh, the influx of, of athletes that are coming from these minor programs. So it's becoming more and more competitive uh, at the Division One level, not only for players but coaches to recruit. Uh, so what coaches are now looking for is the complete package. Uh, you know, every kid that they're looking at now is is pretty skilled and athletic. Uh, so what separates a bucket of you know a thousand kids that are all highly skilled midfielders or you know a thousand highly skilled and athletic attackers? Um, and that factor is your academics. So if I'm looking at a, a group of, you know, 20 players and they're all, you know, super, super good at lacrosse, how can I separate them? And that is becoming the grades. You know, what, what are the kids not only accomplishing on the field, but what are they accomplishing in the classroom? Um, so my advice for uh, athletes is, you know, as much effort and time and practice you're putting into your training in your sport try to translate that into your academics and your work um, because that is going to be a deciding factor when you're communicating with these division one programs division two or division three um, and that is something that i had to to learn the hard way and you know fortunately i i um, made decisions to uh, to you know put myself in an environment where i was most um, focused and, and had the best opportunity to be successful but uh, not everybody can do that and, and what you can do and what you can control is is uh, how much uh, time and effort you can put into your, your schooling. Yeah, so that's some good advice for you young young folks who are trying to make your way uh, through the, the realm of uh, becoming a professional. So transitioning from minor into your college college years so for lacrosse, you have box lacrosse, which is here in Canada is obviously uh, pretty big. And I think that's where it's, we, our, it's our summer national sport, summer national sport. So we kind of tend to put most of our time and energy into the box system. But uh, getting a scholarship and playing college uh, lacrosse, it, you transition to the field game, right? Right. So um, I want you to talk about your experience, um, you know, making the transition from minors up into uh, uh, moving into college and I know you had some with some of your coaches they've kind of they saw um, some unique talents and abilities of yours and they you made some transitions with your own game and positions you were playing Um, so talk a little bit about you know your experience uh, in college academically uh, some of the relationships you built um, through uh, playing with it was Hofstede right Hofstra yeah Hofstra Um, and yeah tell us a little bit about that sure um, yeah, growing up in Canada, obviously, uh, it's predominantly box across. Um, and in my opinion and experiences, and a lot of college coaches are now praising the box game simply because 
you are in a sport and an environment that is um, constantly uh, allowing players to improve their fundamental skill. Now, if you can catch, pass, shoot, cradle, and scoop a ball, uh, you can play lacrosse. And um, in the field game, it's played on a football field, essentially, or a soccer field. Um, it's a lot bigger um, spaces, and the positions are, uh, I would say, more like chess. You have designated positions, and you can only do so much as a defensive player or a midi or an attackman. Now, box lacrosse, it's pretty much you know, like hockey. Um, you have free flow of the floor, it's five on five, and every player is playing offense, defense, and, you know, learning the skills at a much quicker rate. Uh, and, and that's easily broken down by if we were having catch or having a catch uh, on a football field and you missed the ball, the ball would probably roll 15 or 20 yards past you and you'd have to run and try to scoop it up and, and reset the passing game. Now, if you missed a ball in box lacrosse, that ball would miss your stick, hit the boards and bounce back. So it's creating uh, an environment where kids are um, subjected to constant repetition opposed to um, you know, a slow restart and hopefully the kid or player will catch the ball. So like, um, I think that's the best way to describe it. And, uh, the reason I'm mentioning that is because a lot of box lacrosse players learn their fundamental skill at a quicker rate. And that skill and creativity that's learned inside the box rink can translate well into the field game. It's just amazing to see a box player um, transition into the field game. And the, the skill is the same. And the only thing that's different is positioning and um, rules. So if you, know the, if you know the fundamental skills of the game and you're going into an environment where you just have to know the rules and, uh, and some position changes, it's a lot easier than a field player who understands the, the field rules and the field positions, and now he or she is forced to play box lacrosse where it's purely fundamental skill, that athlete is going to be a lot, um, a lot further behind than a box athlete. Uh, hopefully that makes sense. But <clears throat> so the transition, the transition was fairly, fairly easy for very, you. Very, very easy. And, and I can, um, I can, you know, attest to that by, you know, providing uh, a lot of um, high-end or um, statistical breakthroughs in the NCAA or Canadian box lacrosse players. Yeah, and it's a good, you know, through college you're playing field, but then transitioning to professional, you're back in the, the box, right? Right, yeah. So uh, I guess to your question, I learned all my fundamental skill through box lacrosse, and I learned how to play offense, defense, uh, and then... In field lacrosse, there's a, the defensive players typically have long poles, so six-foot poles um, with a head on the end of it. And, and um, nobody really wanted to play that growing up, so I decided to play defense where I learned a lot of the defensive skills in, in field. And I was recruited as a long stick midfielder. Uh, and then I changed positions a few practices in and I played offense. So I was more of a utility guy. Um, and I, I, the way I coach and the way I teach is, um, you're a lacrosse player. So coaching the field game, you'll have kids come in and it's like, okay, I'm a, I'm a defenseman 
or a long pull or I'm an attackman. And the way that, you know, the box game forces you to become is, is a lacrosse player. You're, um, you know, learning every aspect of the game. So you're more, uh, I don't know if this is a word, but you're more recruitable. Yeah, like yeah. coaches would look at you more than the next person because you can offer more to that team. Kind of like you were saying um, earlier about uh, being the complete package. Right. I think that's kind of adds to that, you know. Uh, not necessarily specializing in one specific thing, but trying to be well-rounded. Exactly. Yes. Um, and, you know, going to the pro game, there's there's a professional indoor league and a professional outdoor league. Um, and, you know, again, it's going back to finding ways to separate yourself for teams to uh, recruit or draft you. Um, and that's my best advice for, for young athletes <clears throat> getting into the game is don't just, you know, learn how to play defense, uh, learn how to catch, pass, shoot, cradle, become a full, uh, fully developed lacrosse player um, and a well-rounded athlete, student athlete for that matter. And as we move into your professional lacrosse um, career here, you know, it doesn't matter what sport it is now with the technology and just the education we have in the sporting world, like the competition, the players are getting so much better and it's just making it so much harder so um, the advice Adrian's sharing, I think, is very crucial uh, to pay attention to because to get to the next level, like, like hard work, you know, that's what it takes. And hard work is something very easily to say, but to really put it into action each and every day can, you know, separate you from the next guy. So um, getting these little tidbits of information and working on them um, it's a good, uh, will help you, you know, progress in your future, whether it doesn't matter what sport it is, but just goes to show you how competitive it is out there to make these, these, uh, teams, leagues and different divisions. So went through your college years and, um, obviously, um, looking into the draft, I'm sure you kind of had some sort of feel like you were going to get picked up. Um, I'm not really as familiar with the NLL draft, but I'm sure you had, some sort of instinct that someone's going to pick you up. Um, so going into that day or how, how you can even explain slightly how it worked, um, you know, the feelings and where things were heading with regards to being drafted to the NLL. Yeah. The draft is pretty similar to the hockey draft, NFL draft. It's, um, it's, uh, you know, a special day for a lot of the, the, the players that are coming into it. And, um, I knew that it was my draft year simply because my NCAA career was over and, uh, a lot of the athletes that were in the draft did compete in the NCAA and um, in order to play uh, professional lacrosse or football or anything, um, you cannot be a part of the uh, NCAA. So um, you'll see a lot of NCAA graduates become, you know, eligible for the draft. And, uh, you know, I knew that I was going to be drafted. I just didn't know when. I was in contact with a lot of teams just regarding my commitment and um, um, you know where my head was at in terms of uh, lacrosse and the next steps in my career um, and and I think that's pretty common in every other draft as well. A lot of teams have those uh, meetings with players just to kind of meet them and and see uh, if they are. Um, you know, a good fit for their current roster and, you know, uh, and I think to go back to what I was mentioning about the separating factors, um, you know, it, it, you get to a point in your career where 
your skill is is definitely one component to uh, a team, but also it's the person you are off the floor. Um, you know, a lot of teams are, are realizing that bringing good people uh, in the dressing room is more important than bringing, you know, the most skilled person in the dressing room. Um, so I think, uh, you know, learning that along the way, just being a good person and being a good teammate and translating everything that you, you work for uh, on the floor, it should just be, you know, as equal off the floor. Um, and, you know, going back to the draft, it was obviously a special day. I had a lot of family in attendance and uh, there were rumblings that certain guys were going first, second, third, fourth, fifth overall. And there were a couple trades made, um, you know, before my selection. And uh, I got drafted to a team that I was very familiar with. Um, the coach and GM was a, was a coach in Whitby and he coached me in junior. And there were a lot of um, Durham region athletes on the roster. So not only was I um, excited, I was very comfortable with uh, the the players that were uh, that were on the team, so it made the adjustment and, and the transition into the pro league a lot a lot smoother. Um, and again, I was just very grateful for the opportunity. And um, once that day was over, it was back to work because, um, like all professional uh, roster spots, it's it's a job, right? You're you're uh, you're working for a position um, on that team. Oh, that's awesome. So it's funny. This will lead into, like Adrian said, he's, um, it was the Edmonton rush, Edmonton rush, which then got moved over to Saskatchewan rush. Yep. The, uh, the owner moved it to Saskatchewan <clears throat> just simply because, uh, for business, uh, purposes. So this is cool because, um, he was part of three championships, three, three in a row. Um, we, one in 2015, 2016, and then 2018. Okay. So this is, um, you know, what you was saying before with regards to uh, being a team player and stuff. I really want you to um, elaborate more on that because teams can look good on paper, you know, but doesn't make them a championship team. Right. You know, uh, on paper is one thing, but coming together uh, as a team and individuals to win a championship, I think is something... Uh, very unique uh, and very special and so I want you to talk about team sports very unique because you have you know your own individual goals and what you want to attain but they also have to align with uh, the team atmosphere and building that camaraderie coming together at the right place the right time to win these championships Um, and we were actually talking about earlier a little bit about flow and um community flow or group flow is actually very powerful and I think with a team team sport if you can gel at the right time and create that flow is something very powerful so talk about because as as um you know growing up the minor system little kids like you said they want to be the best they want to be the scorer they want to be the you know the superstar guy but when you get to these higher levels it's more about your character what role do you play within the team and that's going to help the team win so you know is that the shutdown defender who blocks the the shot so the offense can take it and, you know, go down and score? Talk about the pieces of the puzzle that make up, uh, that made up your championship team. Sure. Yeah, you nailed it right on the head. Um, as, as a minor athlete, you know, that's a breeding ground for the person and the player that you become. Um, and everybody obviously wants to be the scorer and, and the best player. So um, thinking, you know, taking that thought, and then 
progressing it to the next level, which is the junior level. And you have a pool full of players that are um, all assigned essentially a role, but um, it's more um, it's it's more focused on um, becoming the best because there is another layer to the to the puzzle, and that another layer is the professional level. Now you're creating a team of let's just say. Uh, for argument's sake, you have 10 offensive players and 10 defensive players. Now, those 10 offensive players and defensive players all came from a minor program. And they were uh, passionate and, and committed. And obviously, they were good enough to play junior somewhere. So those players are probably the top in their junior on their junior teams. And now you're taking that and putting them on... Uh, a professional team. So these guys are the best of the best uh, along the way. They've worked, they've trained, they've studied, and they've become a professional player. Now, having all of those pro players, they're all highly skilled, highly trained, super, super good players. And now, as a coach, you have to assign roles. So this is the interesting part of, of a pro team. Because you can say, um, you know, hey, we understand you're a great player. You've scored, you know, hundreds and hundreds and thousands and thousands of goals along your career. But now we want you, we see you as a player that can really open up opportunities for other players to get open because of your size and your speed. So depending on the person you are, you're now taking instruction from a team or a coach. And now you have to, you know, make a decision. Are you going to buy into that role or are you going to, you know, want to be the, the player that you were always uh, the go-to player? So you want to, you know, be the go-to player. So you're getting to a point um, and it's kind of, you know, new to me to, to describe this with you. And, and this is kind of part of the reason why I think it's interesting opening up these, these uh, elements to the game. But, uh, you know, depending on the person you are. You're either going to say, yes, I'm going to commit to this and I'm going to be that type of player or no, I want to you know, have the ball on my stick and I want to do all the work and go to the net and score and get all the glory. So um, that's the biggest, I think, challenge for, for teams to overcome is having all these high, like high scoring, highly potent offensive and, and players on their team, but you can't have every guy you know, being the best outside shooter because you need you need someone going through the middle and someone doing all the, the grind work to get those guys open and get the balls in the corner and, and everything else that, you know, helps a successful offense work. Um, so, you know, and that's and that's going with just being a being a good teammate, being a good person. And uh, you know, I've I've been a I've been involved with teams that, you know, buy into the culture and the identity of a, of a team. And uh, it's definitely something uh, a lot of people and a lot of individuals struggle with. But if it's for the greater good of the team and to win and to compete, then uh, you know most of those players who do buy in are, are very successful in the league. And then unfortunately, the players that do not buy into that system, they, they slowly fade out of the league because uh, at the end of the day, you need to have good people and good teammates and, and just overall, uh, you know, buy-in from, from every individual on a team. And that's what makes a team successful. 
So I like kind of, I like what you're saying here because I try to relate this. Yes, we're talking about a sport, but talking about you know life in general, business. Um, you know when you're if you're an entrepreneur creating a business, you're part of a business, um, being part of that culture, that identity, and finding out what it what you want to be a part of so you can find that place where you can flourish the most um, and become successful uh, along with creating that culture and environment you want to create um, for you, your business to be successful and same for relationships, surrounding yourself with, you know, people that have same interests um, that make you a better person um, is very important. So kind of taking uh, Adrian's, um, some, of his, some of his teachings that he, he learned through his team sport, taking that outside of the, you know, the arena into uh, life uh, is very important as well. And I think some, something we can all kind of relate, relate to as well. So, um, you know, like I said, losing, or sorry, winning, winning never gets old, you know, three championships, and I'm sure each and every, each and every one of them was special in its own unique way. Um, And as an individual, I think um, it's kind of kudos to you and the role you play within uh, your team. Uh, I saw this past year, you came back, obviously you got traded this this past year, and you came back to uh, Saskatchewan. They had a little bit of um, uh, some video clips of you and your players. And um, I think the one social media one was like, you know, what kind of guy was Adrian Sarchetti as a player? And it was funny to listen to and watch um, your old teammates say such good things about you. And you definitely seems like you play a very important role uh, on the type of player as well as your um, your character, like you said, off off the field. So, you know, what did that mean to you as your players, um, you know, recognizing you for the qualities uh, that you possess and just talk about, um, you know, what kind of what was that character and, you know, what did you bring to the team? Yeah, I think priority number one um with any team that I've been a part of is to try to enjoy myself. And uh, I think naturally, um, you know, I'm, I'm excited to play the game and I'm excited to learn. And, you know, going back to what I, uh, or what we were talking about and combining that social aspect into my sport, uh, I really took that to heart because that was my time of day or, or time of the week to really um, you know, have my social time, you know, off the floor, like, you know, in the locker room or, or after or whatever. But um, it was just a great place for me to, you know, let let free of the stress of school or whatever it may be just to have fun. And I think naturally the sport provided a lot of fun for me. And, uh, you know, whenever when people are having fun, uh, they tend to, to be in a good spirit. So um, I'm very fortunate to play with uh, the the players that I've I've uh, played with along my career and I, I owe a lot of credit to them for um, cr- helping that that lacrosse experience become some of the best uh, experiences of my life and the players I've um, met along the way are some of my best friends and I think that's through the competition and and the battles that you go through and uh, just the experiences that you. Um, um, overcome you know the obstacles you overcome and um, like I said I'm very fortunate to play with the people that I did and um, overall you know it doesn't hurt to be a good person you know like on the floor you're you can always you know be the, the best that you can be but 
challenge yourself to be the same off the floor. And uh, yeah, it's just, it's a, it's a legacy, right? What you want to leave, um, what you want people to say when you're not there. So um, we'll post this, but um, for Adrian's um, social media, it's Adrian Sarchetti 72 um, if you follow him, you get to see him on the court, but you also get to see some of the stuff like he's talking about that he does off the court. Um, I follow him and he's very entertaining and some of the stuff he, he does. So I encourage you to, um, to give him a follow, uh, as you'll be entertained if you're into lacrosse as well as, um, he's a good sense of humor and always gives me a good laugh. Um, when I come across one of his posts, so uh, be, be, Thank sure, you, <laughs> be sure to um, give him a follow. And like I said, I'll post that uh, when we post the podcast here. So I want to uh, move into kind of the, you know, obviously your professional career can only last so long. And I know with the NLL growing, um, you know, you guys aren't professional contracts, but I know there's a lot of players that do stuff outside of the, the arena. Um and I know from just talking to you and kind of growing up with you, you're very, you have the entrepreneurial spirit uh, kind of inside you, along with, like you said, your your personality and the off-court off, uh, stuff. So what kind of ambition, I know you're always onto something with regards to, um, you know, finding a new thing or business related or whatever it may be. What kind of, what's, what's kind of in store or what do you kind of see um, developing over the years to come and maybe your career outside of lacrosse? Yeah, I think lacrosse is at a very interesting part uh, part in time right now, and in, in the uh, at the professional level, it's growing tremendously at the grassroots level. Um, and I know the NLL is expanding into more cities, and that's creating more jobs not only as a player but from management roles and um, media roles and and all the other kind of uh, job opportunities that come with any expansion or growth in a company. Um, so you know my heart lies in lacrosse and uh outside the rink i really try to uh, improve the game whether it's from a curriculum standpoint or um you know a grassroots you know introductory standpoint so uh, i do a lot of work in the san diego community and when i was in saskatchewan i did a lot of work for their minor programs and national teams um and i just see a lot of uh, a lot of growth at the youth and grassroots level and the unfortunate side to that is there is not enough quality coaching to meet the demand of uh, registrants in the sport so a passion of mine is to work with these local communities and um, to really help um, their coaches uh, you know teach the game and create an experience a positive experience uh, pretty much the same as I had in the sport. And, and I think that's, uh, it's an easy thing to do. Um, you know, it's, it's pretty easy for some of these athletes to fall in love with, with sports, especially if they have, uh, good people, um, above them who are, are giving, you know, positive, um, experiences for them. So, so I think as a professional, as a professional athlete, you like, like anyone, you always want to, you always want to give back and pass on your knowledge um, whatever, however that may come, I think is to most professional athletes, that's just, you know, second nature to, to do so. So keep an eye out for um, Adrian Sarchetti. Um, you know, they're still in midseason. Um, like I said, give him a follow. And, you know, to get a little bit of insights on uh, lacrosse and, you know, where you started, where you are now and where you're going, uh, along with uh, 
got a lot of uh, lacrosse education in general and how the the league the league is expanding and it seems like there's just um, more good things to come. So I appreciate you uh, taking the time to uh, join us on the Autotelic uh, podcast. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. I hope to uh, be on it again. Maybe uh-huh. we can chip into some stuff a little in more detail. Uh, there we go.